Welcome to Shocker Girl Radio. We've created a community of spiritual women who know that you can still enjoy the finer things while you're on your soul's journey to live your dharma and your most chakra-aligned life. Let's dive into this episode. Welcome back to Shocker Girl Radio. I'm super excited about today's episode. We're chatting with Monica Yates all about healing your masculine energy to embody your feminine energy. Yes, you need to heal the masculine in order to be in the feminine. It's not just about healing the feminine. So we're going to be diving deep into how to do that what it's all about. We're going to talk about birth control, fertility tracking, and the truth about IUDs. Um, I know a lot of people think that they're the healthiest way, but Monica's giving us some really good information on that. We're going to be talking about the truth about what men really want and how we can understand them better. And men just get such a bad rap. Like we are all about loving men. Like we just want to love the men, help them heal and respect them. So we're going to be talking about healing your wounds with the masculine so that you can embody your feminine and it's going to be beautiful. Monica is a somatic trauma healer. She is a feminine masculine embodiment coach, and she is known as the period whisperer guys. So you're going to just love this episode. If you are looking for more balance, more healing, make sure you check out the rituals by Shocker Girl app. You can get a seven day free trial at shockergirlco.com. We have rituals for abundance, for feminine energy, for receiving, manifesting, 5D activations, every single chakra healing. (laughs) There's so much on there. So if you're looking to create that consistency in your practice, and one of the things we talk about today is really creating those masculine structures throughout your day so that your feminine feels safe and protected and can flow and be in her fullest grace. So having a consistent ritual practice is so important. So make sure you go to chakragirlco.com and get your free seven day trial of the rituals by Chakra Girl. All right, let's dive into this episode. Welcome to Shocker Girl Radio. I am your host, Amberly Lyons, and we are on a mission to make the world more consciously chic and quantumly connected one activated chakra at a time. We have such a lovely guest today. It has been a long time coming. I've been following Monica Yates for so long. She is a somatic trauma healer, a feminine and masculine embodiment coach, and a period whisperer. Hello. And she is also the host of the Feminine as Fuck podcast. Monica is helping people from all walks of life around the world to get into their magnetic feminine energy, to feel safe, letting men lead, healing their cycles, freeing themselves of trauma and energetic blocks that are holding them back from living their dream life. And she's just one of the like cool, fun girls to follow online. And she's so sweet as well. So welcome to the show. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Amber, for having me. Yes. So excited to have you. So tell us your sun, moon and rising. Okay. Sun is Sag. Moon is Sag, rising is Gemini. This is why I love you. I love yeah, it's a good blend. <laughs> my moon is Sag. My husband is okay. a Sag. Dog's a Sag. All my favorite people and beings are Sag. And then I love Gemini. As a Sag would say, it is As the best Sag, sign. So. The best. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I can best, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but I love Gemini too, because I'm an Aquarius, which is like okay. air signs. So I am marrying an Aquarius. So. Oh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
So that's why we love each other. What's your go-to ritual to shake a low vibe mood? Dancing naked or Pilates or both Pilates naked or Pilates and then doing dancing afterwards. But I love Pilates so much and sensual like movement and dancing is something that I incorporate at the end of every Pilates, even if it's just like 30 seconds of like really getting into my hips and that like consistent little bit of action has been such a grounding ritual for me to really uh, connect to my feminine every day. Mm, so who are you following for Pilates? What classes are you doing? Bailey Brown's. Well, it used to be called baby fit. Cool. Yep. I love it. Funnily enough, actually, she's like all into the cycle syncing, which obviously I'm so yeah. about. And I got her, like, I will claim, cause I really did get her into the cycle syncing. Okay. I met her a while ago in Sydney when she, before she even started baby fit mm-hmm. and she is just crushing it. Like she's crushing it. Such an amazing well, platform. Yeah, we just had her on actually. She's oh, in- okay. Well, and I will say too, like, since I started doing her like sinking mm-hmm. your cycle. I think it's called align your cycle because yep. I've done her Pilates for years, mm-hmm. but I was also like throwing in other things. Like I was like, Oh, I'm going to mm. like do this like intense cardio and a Pilates or I'm going to like, and I just like didn't have that sorted out, but now I've been actually yep. like following it and doing specific types of classes during specific types of my times of my cycle. And I have seen the wildest results from literally working out less. Less. I know that's the crazy thing, which is why it's so hard for women to wrap their head around. Cause it's like, wait, I have to work out less for two weeks. That's scary. Right. Because we think that if we work out less, we're going to like put on a pile of weight, yeah. but actually it's the opposite. Like you, yeah. most of the time you end up losing weight yeah. by doing that. It's crazy. So yeah. yeah, I love her Pilates. And I also love the Pilates class. Their vibe is completely different. And so it just depends what I'm looking for. I find like Bailey's is way more kind of fun, quote unquote. Yeah. And then I find the Pilates class a little bit more like deep and functional. So it really depends. Like I find their class is much more challenging. So if I'm in my luteal phase on my period, it'll definitely be Bailey's no question asked, but if I'm wanting something a bit more challenging or like a really intense burn or a longer class, then I will do the Pilates class. Yeah. I might try them out actually, because yeah, some days I'm like, let's go harder (laughs) during those times. And I now have a reformer at home and they also have reformer classes, which is really great. What reformer did you get? Cause I'm in the market. Not one that I would recommend. It's fine. It really is, but it's too low to the ground. And so when I put my foot in the strap to do like booty stuff, when I'm, when I'm on all fours, I get like rope burn on my arms because oh. where the little, like, uh, like, uh, what's it called? Like the little circle thingy where the rope flows through Yeah, it's, it sits too low. It needs to sit a little bit higher. So I would be going to a Pilates class, like like an in-person one and getting their reformers, like, because you want one that if you like it in a class, you're going to like it at home. I didn't test this one out prior to, okay. to using it. Okay. Good to know. I know. I'm yeah. like, it's kind of the thing where you just can't cheap out. Like you need to get what you actually want for sure. Correct. Correct. Okay. I actually Bailey suggested one to be, and I can't remember what it is. I'll post it when I remember. Yeah. Um, okay. So I want to know about your journey with your own feminine embodiment and mm. that became something you needed to share with the world. So I was the woman that grew up hating men. 
Um, I grew up hating being a woman. I really was kind of like fed into that culture of, you know, women get the bad end of the stick. Like it sucks having a period. It's so much easier to be a man. Men only want one thing. Like I had a very, very wounded relationship with men, but at the same time, all I wanted was their validation, right? daddy issues. And then also at the same time, I just wanted to be like a man because it was this, like, if I'm like a man, then I'll be successful. If I'm like a man, then I'll feel enough. And if I was to embrace my femininity, well, that's weak. Like that's pathetic. So I really demonized femininity and kind of praised masculinity and put it on a pedestal for one of a better word, which all stemmed from like trauma and issues around like my dad and my family and upbringing and all that kind of stuff. And that kind of was my upbringing. I didn't really have any influence or I didn't have any uh, anyone telling me or empowering me how beautiful it was to be a woman. And I'm sure there were moments when my mom felt like she was, and I love my mom to pieces, like she's great. But at the end of the day, like when your mom hasn't done the work, she doesn't know any better, right? She just passes on what was given to her. And her mom was the classic kind of woman that had to fight for herself in order to get anything, you know, like she didn't, my mom's dad died when she was 14. So, you know, my grandmother was alone for the rest of her life. Like she's never remarried or anything like that. And she raised three children by herself, right? Like that woman has to be masculine. She's not taught, oh, you can embrace your femininity and also have X, Y, and Z. She's the woman that came off the feminism of, I have to be like a man, dress like a man, execute like a man. That obviously gets passed down to then my mother and she doesn't know any better. So it gets passed on to me. And what's really funny and what I kind of always like to bring into is that she isn't a masculine woman that you would like visibly speaking, she doesn't like, you know, wear suits or like have a short haircut or anything like that. She was a stay at home mom for when we were growing up and she dressed like a woman. But the issue was that like her energy, whilst it was, you know, um, soft and loving and warm, like she had a lot of empathy. It wasn't in the way that I was able to feel like, oh, I want to be like mom. Mm. Because the thing is like when you're growing up, if you, often what will happen is like you will either demonize what a parent did or idolize it. Right. So my mom loved me a lot and I demonized it. Right. So I did the opposite. I became cold because I was like, ew, this is weak. And we right. all kind of made fun of mom for like being the softy. But I idolized my dad and him being emotionally unavailable because I idolized him because I didn't get the love that I wanted from him. Right. So because I didn't get the love I wanted from him, I wanted it more. And I didn't want to be like mom because I got what I needed from mom. Yeah. And so that then kind of led me down this path of really thinking that the feminine is weak and that I don't want to be like that. And I want to be like dad. Cause if I'm like dad, I get to travel and I get to work and I get to, you know, go to the office and, you know, we're sold this story on TV of like, this ideal job, like it looks so sexy. And like, I used to want to be a flight attendant and all that. And now I'm like, oh my God, I could never be a flight attendant. My hat goes off to you guys. You yeah. know, when you're, young, you're young, you think you want to be all these things. And it's just because of how you are conditioned. Yeah. And so really when I, when I realized that I had like an issue for want of a better word was an ex-boyfriend. He was super into the feminine masculine stuff, not really in a healthy way, but in a way of just like understanding it and having some kind of awareness around it. And I had no awareness around it is we got into a fight and he said, I remember it clear as day. We were like on his mattress on the floor. Like it was just one of those. the vibe, one of those situations. Right. Oh. 
Anyway, no aircon. It's Sydney in summer in Australia, not the vibe. Anyway, and we were having an argument and I really triggered him often because I was like his mom, right? Mm-hmm. His mom was cold and would, and would put his foot down and wasn't warm and loving and nurturing. And so anyway, he said to me one day, he said, you are such a cold bitch. Mm-hmm. And I was, and I remember saying to him, isn't that what you want? And he was like, what? And I basically explained to him, I thought you want like this cool girl that like isn't phased by anything and that isn't emotional. And like, that's what guys want. And he explained to me that that is not what guys want. Mm. Like they want the warm, the soft, like that is what they're attracted to. And he kind of went on and on and it really opened my eyes to like, wait, what? I thought men were unattracted to that. And they wanted this like cool girl persona. Yeah. And that's what got me to realize and kind of then go into this whole journey of my my own stuff. But that's what really got me to realize when it comes to the feminine masculine piece that a lot of the shit that women have around being women is not from men. It's from other women. Yeah. hundred percent. I even feel like the so, whole, like, like girl boss movement, even though I was so a part of it for so long, mm. it's like, it was, I, I feel like it was like part of the agenda. You know what I mean? Like it's, it was, it's detrimental to women because yeah, it's, exactly. it's so misaligned with our mm-hmm. biology and how yeah. we work best and our creative flow. Um, so that's kind of my journey. I mean, there was so much other stuff in that, but in terms of like the feminine piece, that was really the journey. And I lost my period for a long time that, that, that contributed to it. Right. Cause our cycle is such an integral part of our femininity and my relationship to my period was horrendous, which I know so many women can relate to. And of course, doctors don't tell you any answers. They just slap a bandaid on it. Yeah. So all of those things like really led me down this path of learning to embrace my uniqueness as a woman, rather than think that we got the bad end of the stick. And now I'm in a place where it's like, I would never want to be a man. I feel sorry for men that have to be men because I'm like, it is a hard world for men to be men as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I really want to empower women to feel so turned on by their femininity rather than constantly feeling like we got the bad end of the stick yeah. because we didn't get the fucking bad end of the stick. Yeah. It depends how you perceive it. Yeah. I literally like feel bad for men so much now. It's a hard world to be a man. Like no matter what you do, you are a misogynist. Exactly. And like you're like this whole like toxic masculinity Mm. thing. Like I can't with that. That is that see, that is detrimental. I'm exactly. I'm in the process of getting my book published, right? And I do a whole chat, like I do a whole chapter on it or whatever. And it's detrimental because it's like you are literally saying that there is something inherently wrong with masculinity. Exactly. And I mean, like, I'm, you know, I'm I don't know if your fiance is also a big conspiracy theorist because he's an Aquarius, but I just feel like this is <laughs> like this has been their agenda all along is like make mm. women men and make men afraid to be men. And Mm -hmm. that's what takes us away from our power so that we keep submitting and we are easy to control and we're burnt out like physically, emotionally, you know, and it's just like the crumbling of society. We need gender. We need like people, I feel like are so afraid of rules and systems Mm -hmm. and like that people are afraid of that masculine structure. Right. But if we don't have that as a society, it doesn't mean that you can't express your individuality, but if there's not lines and limits as a society, and if there isn't, for example, like gender, then there is a collapse. Exactly. And it, literally, if you just Google collapse of society, gender, 
Mm-hmm. Look at what you see. Like it is, it is written about, it has been written about for centuries. It is not a new concept, but we are failing. Like we all think, I feel like these days that we are, you know, so enlightened and we know way more than what they did a hundred years ago or a thousand years ago. Right. And I'm like, no, we are dumber than ever. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Like we are more disconnected from our truth as humans. Like, okay, maybe we can like make AI, but that doesn't make us smart that in terms of us, our biology. That, make, that disconnects us from humanity, from our mm-hmm. humanness, from our bodies, from what we were born into this world as. I actually, I was, I'm a channel. So I was walking today and was mm-hmm. just like channeling as I was looking at the mountains. And I had like this, this message come in and it was, about how joy cannot be achieved when we are in automatic reaction and that we're in automatic Mm. reaction because we are consistently being trained. And it was showing me like the way you train a dog by repetition, you do this, you get a treat, you do this, you get a treat. Like that's what social media is slowly doing to us. So it's Mm. like, we're slowly, our brains are being patterned away from the way human brains are supposed to pattern. So we're literally being programmed. Like we are being Mm. programmed by these computer systems and taking us away from the humanness. And it's like, we all are in the society where of course we want to have money and we want to have the nice life and we want to have all the things. And yes, that is like, that is, you know, we deserve to have that, mm-hmm. but the way that they're telling us to get it is in a way that serves them, not in a way that's going to serve us. Amen. I mean, AI in and of itself, and I don't know that much about it, but I found out like a few weeks ago that there's some kind of system where you can put in like any question. It will spit out like chat. Everything. GPT. Okay. I will that. say I have been using it. Oh, well, fair enough. But to, uh, to me, I'm not, yeah, to me, I don't care about that. I'm just no. more like, isn't that like crazy that we're at a point where, you know, people aren't going to consciously be using that of like, okay, I'm fucking exhausted, but I need to like create an Instagram post. Like, fuck it, just plug it in. Yeah, It's like, people are going to be using it and not thinking for themselves anymore. And that is a problem. And like, that's really what I'm all about. It's like, cause even when it comes to the pill, right. People will always say, are you against hormonal birth control? And I'm like, I'm not against hormonal birth control. I'm against inform informed choices. Yeah. When you go to the doctor, for example, and you say, I want to go on the IUD, do they tell you that there is a risk that you can't have children? No. No. Right. Do they tell you all the risks that come with the pill? No. And so it's like, you're not then making an informed choice. You're making what you think is a choice, but it's not actually a choice because they're also not telling you about the, all the non-hormonal issues, yeah. uh, non-hormonal forms of birth control. Yeah. Well, I, I, I let's talk about that because I always okay. wonder, like to me, any form of birth control does not feel right. It does not. Yeah. I don't know that I'm wrong. If I'm right or wrong on that for me yeah. personally, um, yeah. intuitively doesn't feel right. And yeah. All, you know, even people that are, you know, in the wellness world, the spirituality world, they'd be like, oh, but I'm on the copper IUD. So it's okay. Mm. Mm. I don't know enough about it. I haven't researched. I don't know shit about it. Never had an IUD, but I'm curious. I'm sure you're someone who has done that research. Like, what are your thoughts on the copper IUD? So the copper IUD for some people works great for other people's for other people, it causes more problems. So it can cause a more painful period, a heavier period. Something that often isn't spoken about is that you can throw your copper to zinc ratio off in your body because you're not meant to have that much copper in. So for any of my clients that are on a copper IUD for whatever reason, right? Like, and everybody has their reasons and that's fine. 
I'm always like, just work with a naturopath and get regular bloods because you don't want to get to a point where you're having all these health issues. And that could have been preventable because you could have seen, oh shit, my ratio is starting to go off over a course of six months or something. So that's really important with the copper IUD. And I mean, when it comes to the IUD anyway, there's a foreign object in your womb, right? That's not an ideal thing to to have. The reality is, is that it can get dislodged and it can cause you to need emergency surgery and it can cause you to then not have children. Mm -hmm. If I had to pick any hormonal birth control and keeping in mind that you want to have kids, for me personally, what would feel like the uh, the least risky in terms of like, if you have to get an IUD cut out of your fucking womb, there is a high risk that you cannot have kids, right? I'd be on the pill, right? Mm-hmm. Personally, oh, the pill okay. obviously comes with a whole host of hormonal issues and depression and libido stuff. And it can, it really can wreak havoc on somebody's body. But personally, for me, I can't wait to be a mom and I would hate to do, you know, to, to, to be having an IUD or it's hormonal or non-hormonal. And for, get, and for it to get dislodged because it's a lot more common than people think. Oh, and like I know, people like, will fall pregnant. Like, I know like five people who have had that mm-hmm. done. And people will fall pregnant on the IUD and the IUD is still in there, but there's also a growing fetus in there. And then it becomes a very, very tricky situation, right? I mean, you've probably seen it like babies are born with IUDs lodged in them. They're, they're holding the IUD. Like it's really scary stuff. Yeah. And so- when you look at the pill, like it fully like throw your gut microbiome off, it depletes all your nutrients. Like it can cause depression. Like all those kind of things are very real. And there are things that obviously you can do to support your body whilst you're on the pill. Uh, and that's where I'm like, I fucking wish doctors took the approach of modern and Eastern, you know what I mean? Like Western and Eastern at the same time. So it was actually more like holistic rather than, cause there is a place for modern medicine, right? So if you had to choose the pill, but then what I also want to say is that for most people, they want to go on hormonal birth control so they don't fall, so they don't fall pregnant. Okay. Well, the pill is actually a higher chance of you falling pregnant on the pill yeah. than doing the fertility awareness method. So then that, that when, when that comes in, it's like, then there's no point you being on the pill yeah. to not fall pregnant because the side effects, in my opinion, there's more cons than pros. Where I do say is like the the pro for being on the pill, for example, is if you have horrendous endometriosis, the pro is, okay, the pill is a Band-Aid, but you can be working on healing your endo so that you can come off the pill, Mm -hmm. but not have that massive like jolt where you feel the impact of not being on the pill. So that's where, for example, when clients have endo and they're on the pill and it's really bad endo, I'm like, stay on the pill. We need to fix your endo as much as we can whilst you're on the pill. Then we come off the pill and you won't feel as bad of a jolt as if you came off the pill with no intervention naturally before coming off the pill. So there is a purpose for it. It's just that the way that we're told isn't the right purpose for it. And like, it's not in a constructive way where you're actually fixing an issue. Exactly. That's the thing, you know, like, so the pill can be used to help fix an issue and that is the pain of endo. It's got to be done properly. So you suggest fertility tracking. Yes. And that's the method that you use. That's the method I use. So the fertility awareness method. So really basic for anyone, you're tracking your cervical fluid. You can also throw in there your basal body temperature. Um, I actually just recently did an episode on it. Like it went out this Monday, like two days ago where mm-hmm. I kind of didn't update it, but I've got a bunch of episodes on that people to listen to. Um, and when you can 
you know, when you first start out, you need to be careful, obviously, if you're trying to avoid having kids right now, because you don't want to fuck it up if you don't know your cycle. But once you know your cycle, it's like fucking clockwork. And I feel so like trusting in my body. My fiance feels so trusting in me. It is an open conversation all the time. I never feel like the pressure is on myself. That's something that I expressed to him early on. And he made it really clear, like, no, like when I am choosing to have sex with you, like I know that there is a chance that we could fall pregnant and I'm taking half that responsibility, you know? So the conversation's always open. And that's really important for a lot of women because I know so many women, they put all the responsibility on themselves and that's a heavy load to carry when you're being intimate with someone, when it's like they're choosing to engage in that too and run that risk as well. Yeah. So there's how many days of the month are there that you can actually get pregnant given that you have like a standard cycle? Okay. So when the, when you have, when you uh, ovulate, right, the follicle bursts out of your ovary and then you have the egg that travels down the fallopian tubes, that egg lasts 24, absolute maximum 48 hours. Really what more can happen when someone's like, oh my God, how do I fall pregnant a day after ovulation? Like the egg should have been dead. Is that you double ovulated? Mm-hmm. That can happen sometimes. That's why it's always good to kind of have an extra day after but ovulation. Like, three, to, like the three or four days. To just- like just double check that basically yeah. how you want to, you, your double checking is has your cervical fluid changed, mm-hmm. right? Is there still that raw egg white cervical fluid? Because that is going to tell you that you're still fertile. And there is an egg there and it's going to help travel, like help the sperm travel up to implant into the egg. But if it isn't there, if your cervical fluids changed, you can then know you're in ovulation, uh, in your luteal phase. Mm -hmm. Also, what's great is if you have an aura ring. So I have an aura ring. Like I tried the whole natural cycles, thermometer in your mouth first thing in the morning. I'm sorry, but like, I cannot remember that every morning I'm rolling over to my partner. I'm having a glass of water, et cetera. The aura ring is great because it's going to measure your temperature before you wake up. Mm -hmm. So then it takes that step out for you. And then, you know, your, your basal body temperature will rise when you go into your luteal phase because of progesterone that then you can look on your app. And that's another like double checking of, okay, temperatures increased, cervical fluids changed. We're in luteal phase. We can have sex now in terms of like avoiding pregnancy. This is the key thing is that the sperm can live inside you for up to five days, right? If you have, I did not know that. Yeah. So if you have healthy cervical fluid and a healthy womb, the sperm, like your cervical fluid is going to feed the sperm and keep it alive for five days. So the day of ovulation, you need to know your day of ovulation. And then, and five days obviously is like, if you are wanting to be really, really, really careful, we play around like the three, four situation. Yeah. And so you'll want to track back five days or however many days that you want to do prior to your day of ovulation, right? That is your time when you either don't have sex, you use a condom, use the pull-out method, et cetera. The key thing that nobody mentions that everyone forgets to fucking talk about, especially on social media with this blanket advice is if you are using an app to track your cycle and it says, oh, like day 17 is your day of ovulation. So like you're safe today or like you're going to ovulate in one day's time. And then the day ovulation quote unquote comes according to the app. And now you're safe. If you had something really stressful happen, say five five days prior to ovulation, your body could delay ovulation. The app isn't going to fucking know that your body's delayed ovulation. And then when you think you're not fertile and you're in your luteal phase, you're actually fertile and can fall pregnant. So when people have these like miraculous pregnancies and obviously there's sometimes just like a fucking miracle, but sometimes it's also you thought you weren't ovulating anymore, but you were, and you weren't paying close enough attention to 
to your cervical fluid. Your cervical fluid isn't going to lie. Your body can't lie to you. It's not possible. So seeing that raw egg white cervical fluid, that is okay. You are ovulating. If you're in on hormonal birth control, this does not apply to you because you do not have a regular cycle. You can sometimes ovulate on the IUD, but you won't fall pregnant. Well, the chance is really low. So this is for if you are not on hormonal birth control. Okay. That yeah. is amazing information. And my yeah. pull-out game is so strong that I've never had to worry. <laughs> we love that for you. Yes. We love it. We love a strong pull-out game. Okay. That's amazing. So I want to kind of circle back to talking about like feminine and masculine wounds. I feel like it's so easy to spot the symptoms, but Mm. it's harder to spot like, why the hell am I like this? Like, what is the wound? Like sometimes I'm like, oh, that must be like a masculine wound, but it's actually a feminine wound. That's like, Mm. it's kind of hard to tell sometimes, right? It's like, am I like in my masculine a lot because I don't trust my feminine to to carry through or am I in my masculine a lot? Cause I don't trust the masculine to support me. So I have to be in my masculine. So it's like, mm. it could be both. So it's like, what are your tips on yeah. like finding the root cause and how important is it to find the root cause? Okay. Well, first thing on the root cause, I think everyone these days is obsessed with finding a root cause and it gives them some kind of sense of like validation of like, oh, because I found the root now I can move on or because I found the root now I can use that as a blanket statement to, you know, give a reason as to why I can't do X, Y, and Z and blame it on the fucking room. I can hold someone else accountable. Right. Like, I'm sorry, but we're not in the blame. Like you cannot use this to then- give reason as to why you're not taking action or why you're a victim, like no fucking victim. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in terms of like how you find the wound, so the the masculine is like, think about like a cup, right? The masculine is the cup. It creates the container so that the water can stay within the container. And when there's not that masculine, the feminine doesn't feel safe. So where it gets confusing sometimes for people, when you're really getting into it is people think something is a feminine wound, but actually it's a masculine wound. Mm -hmm. So for example, people will think like, because I'm feeling like, you know, emotional all the time, or I'm being in my victim or, you know, I I can't focus at work and I'm just in this like creative, like spaz all the time. You know, that's that people people would say that's too much feminine, right? Or that's wounded feminine that you can't like bring in your focus, for example, or you can't dial in your emotions. Like you're too far to the, to one extreme. It could be that, but it also could be there's a lack of masculine structure to create the safe environment for your feminine to thrive. Mm. So how I kind of simplify it is that the feminine cannot thrive and feel her best if there isn't masculine. And so when we women are like wanting to do all this women's empowerment and fucking berate men, well, you're never going to feel fully safe as a woman if you don't feel safe around men. Because the only way that women are going to actually feel safe is if we feel like the men are protecting us and the men are providing for us. Like if you're walking down a street, right? And some guy is like being weird and chasing you and following you, you, you will feel safer if you have a man next to you than if you are alone, right? Or if you're out with a group of girls you're going to feel maybe fine. But if you're out with some girls and some guys, your nervous system is going to feel safer. Mm -hmm. So the whole kind of like, when we're trying to get into our feminine, the thing we actually need to start with is the masculine. We actually need to start with healing our relationship with the masculine. In terms of like the roots of those wounds, you want to be thinking about your dad, 
what he gave to you, what he didn't give to you, what you craved from him, what you idolized about him. You want to be thinking about um, shitty situations, traumatic situations that you've been in with men and maybe the things that you don't want to admit to yourself that you were like actually craving or why you were staying, like those things are all really subtle hints. And when we're looking at ourselves, I always say like, it's not about a shame game. We're not trying to shame. We're trying to pull information so that you can then become the version of yourself that you want to be. So looking at your relationship with men, how you interacted with men, how men have interacted with you, they're all, all those kind of situations are going to have some hidden gems around how you feel about the masculine. Because if you don't feel good about the masculine, you ain't going to feel good about the feminine. I don't care how much you try, how much you dance. You know, you can do all these like practices, but you aren't going to feel in your body. Like I feel safe being a feminine woman. I feel safe surrendering and relaxing and being in my body. So once there's that masculine shell and container, the feminine really looks after itself because the feminine is like a response from the masculine, right? then your nervous system can relax. Then you can come home to your body. But if there isn't that structure, you know, you can do all the practices and all the healing for your feminine, but the missing piece is always going to make it feel like you haven't fully gotten there. You haven't fully landed in a way where it's just become part of your life. Like I don't do feminine practices every day. I just do my practices and they're all inherently feminine in a way because I have allowed myself to fully embrace my femininity. I'm not trying at all. It just is. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that we sometimes forget is like you were born a woman and you were born as a feminine being. So to actually, it's like your, the practice is to just be (laughs) and to like, and to let go, let go and to not have that feel fearful response of having Mm -hmm. to like control everything or like yourself or whatever your response is. But if it, if we are solid in that trust and that foundation, then it's like, okay, then it's just going to naturally, you're going to naturally flow more. Right. Right. And just what you were saying, like, that's a, that reminded me of like a way that's easy to think of it is you were born right as a feminine woman. So all the shit that's been put on you, you just got to take off all the shit and then yeah. you're you again. Exactly. Right. It's like taking off, not adding on. And so yeah. that's why I sometimes say like, the real magic isn't in like adding in a million practices. No. It's taking away things. It's exactly. it's letting go of all those layers, doing like, you know, doing all the things is great, but it's not actually going to give you the results you're looking for. No. And I say the same thing about chakras or like, how do I right. get like, make more money with my solar plexus? How do I do this with this chakra? I'm like, well, mm. it's not about like doing the thing to get the thing. It's about removing the thing that's blocking it. Your chakras already know what to do. They already have that Amen. magnetic pull. You just need to take the gunk out and then the magnet. Yes. I love so, that. So now I'm like, okay, so what practices can we do? <laughs> but no. So once we know the wound, so it's like, how do we yeah. release it? Like, I'm, it doesn't necessarily have to be a practice. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, now I'm identifying like, okay, I definitely have this masculine wound. My container does not feel safe. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I know that, you know, I was hurt in this way by the masculine. Mm. How do we then remove the energetic charge and like get rid of it? So I think one of the most impactful, there's kind of like two main things. I think one thing that's really amazing for women to help heal their relationship with men is to learn about men right? We are so focused on ourselves Mm -hmm. of learning about ourselves of being obsessed with like empowering ourselves. 
when you learn about men and how different they are, it brings a whole new lens to things and it really makes you appreciate them. And it also makes you realize probably how many things you've misperceived because you've been seeing it through the lens of a woman rather than seeing it through the lens of a man. So learning about men is profoundly healing for women. Like prof- it sounds so simple because usually learning isn't healing necessarily. Like the somatic work is the healing, but learning about men is such like brings me to tears because for a lot of women, what happens is like, it just hits them in the heart of realizing like, I've been a fucking bitch or I've been so judgmental. And like, they actually realize how much love men have for us. And all they're trying to do is protect us and look after us and honor us. And they're still doing that, even though we're shaming them and beating them down and emasculating them and all those kind of things. Mm -hmm. The second thing that is undeniably the best thing is a hundred percent somatic healing, right? So all of those times where you felt unsafe about men or around men or in situations or about the masculine, you're holding all of that in your muscles and your bodies in your, in your fucking chakras, right? You're holding it in all of these places in your body. And you can think and think and think about all the things that you could do to be the version of yourself that you want to be and embrace your femininity. But if it's still held in your body, it is going to be a fucking battle every day that you have to fight it against versus healing all that grief, healing the pain, allowing yourself to feel it and move through it, re-regulating your nervous system, like all of those things where we're involving our body to somatically move the energy, move the emotion, feel everything, like feel to heal, right? That is that that's actually going to be the biggest piece so that you're not, you know, just learning about men, but then not able to date because your past heartbreak literally makes it impossible for you to open up. Like that's a really little example of a somatic thing, right? Like your heart will not open up because your body is still traumatized from that horrendous heartbreak that you went through. So it doesn't matter how much you want to date. If your body is like, no, it's not going to happen. You know, I have two deep dives I want to do on that. Mm. So I want to first like, tell us about men. What do we need to know? about men. And then secondly, I want to just deep dive somatic healing a little bit. And I want to say about men too. One thing that Mm. I loved learning was that men more than anything, yes, like they want to support us, but like their mission in life is to have like a deep purpose. And if, if that, and I feel like women, there's like this perception of men that they don't care about us or that they are, you know, they, they don't want to get serious or they don't want to commit or whatever it is because they have this like innate drive towards having a purpose. And it's like, they can think that that would stifle it. So it's like, if you can just admire and like love what they're doing and like Mm. honor that they have like this big desire and this big drive and that that's what they innately were born into this world wanting, then like, what could we do to actually support that rather than be like, what about me? What about me? What about me? (laughs) Amen. Amen. So I want to give like a really juicy deep dive to this. Like what is there to know about men? So to kind of go off what you were saying, I would say the first thing to know is that our first love and need is, sorry, our first priority is love and connection their first priority is purpose and passion. That doesn't mean that women can't have a purpose and a passion. I have purpose and a passion, right? But it means 
that they cannot love and connect if they don't feel like they have a purpose. That is why women will say like, ever since he lost his job or ever since he's been going at work, like we haven't been having sex. I feel like he's been so distant because he can't give himself to you if he doesn't feel like a fucking man, right? It doesn't matter how hard that we work as women. It doesn't matter what success we've built. If we have no one to love, if we have no one to share it with, if we don't feel loved, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't feel the way that we want us to feel. So the number one thing is uh, understanding that they have purpose as their number one and to embrace that difference. Because as soon as you can realize that purpose is their number one thing, it's going to help you kind of like uh, at the end of the workday, right? When he's wanting to go do his own thing and decompress or when he's really busy at work, if you can instead make it less about you and support him in his purpose, you're actually going to feel more connected to him and he's going to feel more connected to you. So like understanding that we are different and not trying to change that, but embrace it is like the number one thing. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I want to say about men and what we really need to know about them is that they don't have any intention to hurt us. Shitty humans, yeah, they hurt people, but there's it's not men, right? Men aren't shitty. People can be shitty, but men aren't shitty. Their, their like purpose when it comes to women, right? Because they'll feel like on purpose in their relationship as well is to protect and to provide. Mm-hmm. And why this is really important is because if you are a career woman, you're killing it, you're bringing in all the dough, et cetera, they're all amazing things, but it will affect him and it will affect the relationship if you let it, right? If you let money depolarize the relationship, it's going to affect him. And like some people will take this as like, well, then he's a misogynist. It's like, no, that is our biology. His level of testosterone means that he is driven towards that. And that is how he feels like the provider in the family when he brings the dough home and he's protecting. So in that situation, you then need to figure out what his way of protecting is and providing if you're making more money, for example. So all they want to do is protect and provide. Their intention is not to hurt us. So when women are like, why do men always ghost? It's like, well, yeah, it's shitty to be ghosted. And if we were to see it from it through a man, a man's lens, they don't want to send that message of like, I don't want to see you anymore. They don't want to hurt us. Right. And if they don't know how to communicate effectively, which a lot of men don't, they don't know what to say. So they just say nothing at all. Right. Well, they haven't been taught to, they haven't, right. they, they've never been taught how to use their emotions, how to understand their emotions. So they have emotion coming up and what's actually coming up is I don't want to hurt this person. And they can't connect those dots to explain that, which again, it's like, how can we blame them when they've grown up in the society? Yeah. Maybe at this point, it'd be great if they did some self-care and like learned about that and some some self-help. But like, I think just being able to understand that a it takes like the embarrassment away and like the feeling like you've been victimized uh-huh. and like can just, you know, allow you to have some compassion. Yeah. Agreed. I would say the other one is that men are by nature committed beings. So when women are like, men are so unlike committal, they don't commit. They're not actually, we are uncommittal. Mm. I want Italian one hour later. Actually, let's do Chinese. Actually, yeah. like, we are the fucking uncommitted ones, right? We change our mind every three seconds. Yeah. They are committed beings. That's why you'll find sometimes in conversation, if you ask a question, he pauses and he really thinks. So don't then emasculate him and disrupt his thought pattern by being like, asking another question or like, what are you thinking? Let him think <laughs> because he's committed. I'm like the most impatient person. I'm like, hello, spit it out. <laughs> But because of the difference of our brains, like their brains aren't soaking in estrogen, right? So it takes their brains longer to form that 
decision. So when they are thinking, they are committed to their answer, right? And so allowing that is really important, allowing men to think, allowing your partner to think on something, asking him a question and letting him know you can reply in a few few hours time, especially if it's an important question and you want a committed answer to. The other one that I would also say is that we as women think our emotions, not even think, we know our emotions are factual. Like when we feel something, it's a fucking fact, right? Everyone needs to get behind it because we're behind it. Right. To men, emotions are not facts. Mm. So when we're like, I don't feel like doing something, a man's like, it's not about fucking feeling about it. You just do it. The only yeah. reason why I would not go for a walk is if it was pouring down with rain. And I legitimately, logistically could not go for a walk because I would get drenched. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's not about how I feel. I'm just going to do it. Yeah. So this is really important because when we are trying to communicate, we can try and communicate with our emotions. Doesn't mean it's wrong. But what we need to take into consideration is that doesn't mean anything to them because it's not factual information. Right. So when you can like add a little bit of logistics in there, or when you can explain to him, like, honey, my feelings are factual. Like mm-hmm. this to me is my truth. It is like a fact of the matter. It's not just something I'm throwing around in the moment. That's mm-hmm. also going to be really helpful. Mm-hmm. All in all, the main thing about men is that they're never trying to hurt us. They're not trying to be dicks. They're not trying to be lazy. They're not trying to not lead. They want to lead. They want to direct us. They want to, you know, show us the way they want to direct the relationship, but we don't let them. Right. Right. So instead of kind of like forcing them to do everything, I always say, why don't you let them do everything? Yeah. Because they naturally want to, it's just that society and us women have beat them down so much that they feel like no matter what they do, it's wrong. Like you've, I'm sure you've heard men say that. Like if I'm damned, I'm damned if I do, I'm damned if I don't. I'm like that in a sentence is us emasculating men. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, we're emasculating them because we're in a place of fear of just like not trusting the masculine because we haven't done healing. And it's not that we're not trusting this specific person, but then it's like, we berate them, write them until they're at a point where we have manifested exactly what we feared because mm-hmm. we basically told them you can't support me. So they right. believe that, that they can't support you, even though that's all that they want to do mm-hmm. and everybody loses. So Amen. I'd love to know like what tips you have, like mm-hmm. if you want to like pump them back up, it's like they, maybe yeah. they have been like beaten down or even you notice, mm-hmm. okay, I've been a little bit Nagy, or I've been mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, maybe I need to let him do this. Like, how yes. do you kind of shift that? Okay. So, first thing I'll say is like, I understand that some men are lazy, right? So, like, if you're listening and you're like, I've tried, like, he doesn't fucking do anything. First thing I understand that doesn't mean you have to like put up with that, doesn't mean that it's your fault. I also want to kind of say a little tidbit on that is that we have allowed and conditioned men to be lazy because we keep taking the lead, right? So you need to stop taking the lead. If he's being lazy, let him fucking fail. Let mm-hmm. him make a mistake. Mm-hmm. Men only learn through that. If you mother him because you're trying to ensure he doesn't fail or ensure a mistake isn't made, you aren't helping him. Sometimes you have to let a man fail yeah. for him to realize, oh, he can't be lazy anymore. You're not going to put up with it. In terms of like the tips, if you have kind of break your man and depolarized things, Number one, apologize. I know it sounds so simple, but when you can admit what you've done, when you can, and 
I want to say that for a lot of women, when they hear me talk about this stuff, it is like triggering as fuck. Oh yeah. Because they're thinking, oh my God, like no, I have been- fault. It's not my fault. Right. Like, they don't, like they don't want it. They're like, no, but or, my situation is different. Yes. <laughs> yes. Or they feel so horrendously bad. I don't yeah. want you to shame yourself because no, no one teaches us this in school. I wasn't taught it. I was the woman that berated the shit out of men as well. The number one thing is apologize. Mm -hmm. So go to him and really mean it. Show him in your body language that you aren't just blowing this off as like, sorry, you're actually meaning it. Tell him what you are sorry about. And then tell him that you would like things to be repolarized, like share with him the ways in which you would love for him to lead. Not, I want you to do X, Y, Z. I would love to let you do X, Y, Z again. And when I start to step on your toes, I want you to tell me, like, I'm giving you permission to be like, babe, you told me you weren't going to do this because I need to relearn because I'm only just becoming aware of this, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, uh, like allow vulnerability, show vulnerability that you weren't aware of emasculation. You weren't aware that you were doing it. Now you're becoming aware and we need sometimes their help to realize things that we are doing that are emasculating that we don't identify as emasculation because we're not a man. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that we could see as like constructive criticism or like putting a fire under their ass. They could see as like shame inducing and stripping them of their confidence mm-hmm. because masculinity operates very differently to femininity. So that'd be the number one thing. And the number two thing is I want you to write down, let's say three things that you know that you kind of like jump in on when he's not taking the lead that you want him to. Let's say like you've expressed that you'd like to go out on a date, but you haven't seen a dinner reservation booked in and it's like Thursday morning. So you're like, fuck this. I'm going to make it myself. Don't. Mm -hmm. Even if it means you don't go on a date, you need to be okay with that Mm -hmm. because the only way things are going to change is if you stop jumping in and not letting him learn and take the lead. Because for all you know, he was going to call Thursday afternoon. For all you know, he's booked something, but just hasn't put it in the calendar. It's about coming back to like almost a bit of a mantra of I'm trusting him. I'm trusting him. I'm trusting him. I'm trusting him. And I'm okay with mistakes happening because nobody's perfect. Mm -hmm. And to your point around like not feeling safe to let the masculine lead, like that's a massive component of women not feeling safe to be in their feminine. They don't feel safe around men. Also another piece is women not feeling safe within themselves. Yeah, They don't know how to, how to draw boundaries. They actually don't know how to be in their power. So they let men walk all over them. So they don't feel like they can let a man lead because deep down they're like, well, if he leads, I am going to be walked all over because I don't know how to say no. No, no, no. A man leading does not mean that you get walked all over. I say fucking no, right? I put my foot down. I need my foot down. Yeah. It's more around like the polarity isn't about control in a bad way. The polarity is allowing each of you to be harnessing and working with the energy and the strengths that you're designed for as a woman and that he's designed for as a, as a man. So writing down three things that you normally will like jump in on, let's say dinner reservations, or, you know, if he started, if he hasn't started dinner, but he said that he was going to make dinner for you tonight, et cetera, et cetera, be okay with them not happening number one, and fucking promise yourself that you are not going to jump in on those three things. So just start with three, because if you write them down and kind of get clear on the, clear on them, it can be helpful for you to actually have a little bit of like an action plan for the week rather than just going in blind and then not knowing what you're doing. So that would be really helpful as well. And then the third thing would also be is after the workday, do something that allows you to get back into your body. 
Because for a lot of us, we're kind of in our head, we're go, 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 we're hustling during the workday. And then we come home and we keep that masculine hustle or girl boss or whatever the hell you want to call it. We keep it on us. And we are sassy in actually not a cute way. We are sassy. We put him down. We dominate because we're still in this boss mode. Yeah. Be a boss in the boardroom. Do not be a boss in the bedroom because it's going to yeah. completely throw the polarity off. Do something, even if you work from home, bring yourself back down, right? Like I will do things when, even though I work from home to bring myself back down yeah. so that when I'm then seeing him, I'm in my feminine. Yeah. Like have a bath, change your clothes, like- Shake it up. Change your clothes. It's the simplest thing. Like wash your face, tie your hair up. Just have some action where you've changed your state between work and home. Yeah, for sure. They'd be like the best things. So good. Okay. Quickly, because I know we're running out of time. I just want to know like some, just a few ideas for somatic Mm -hmm. healing for someone just like diving into it for the first time. Okay. So I would say like a way to even start just feeling the tension in your body to be aware of like, okay, there's some stuff here is getting deep tissue massages mm-hmm. because we hold so much in our muscles. And sometimes people, especially if you grew up with like an idyllic childhood, it's like, I have no trauma. I have no this. I have no that. My body's not holding on to anything. Go get a fucking deep tissue massage and tell me that wasn't painful. <laughs> right. Because if they're digging into those painful spots, you might get things come up. People might pop up in your mind. That's what you're holding in that space. Right. And so somatic, uh, so getting a deep tissue massage would be a good starting point to just validate yourself and that like, okay, there is some work to do. Mm-hmm. The next thing also that's really good for just even like some at home somatic healing is that when you are feeling an emotion come up, feel the emotion don't shove it down. Don't try and be strong. Like, yes, there are times when it's like inappropriate to cry or whatever, because like you don't want your kids to see you crying or like you're on a meeting or something like that. But then when you remove yourself from that situation, allowing yourself to validate yourself, not gaslight yourself, feel the emotion. You don't need to understand it. You don't have to judge it. You don't have to do anything with it. Just allowing yourself to feel it because you don't want to be keeping all this shit bottled up all the time. So allowing yourself to feel emotions is a really, really important part. And it's a good starting point because even if you're like, I have so much somatic healing to work on from the past, like, okay, we can work on that. But from now going forward to not like add too much more to your plate, start to feel everything and allow your body to move it as you feel the emotion. And then that way you're not adding a shitload more on, but we can go past, we can go to the past and like removal of the past pieces, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So that's also a really important piece. And then something more kind of random and it's not necessarily like somatic healing, but it's good for your nervous system is if you have a really dysregulated nervous system, let's say you're really reactive or you can't handle stress well is going to saunas because you have to learn to change your breathing. Right. You have to learn to sit in the discomfort of being hot and sweating yeah. a lot. And that's going to help your nervous system get re-regulated because you need to be able to feel safe in discomfort. Your body has to be able to feel safe in that. Yeah. Hot yoga, like changed that for me majorly, but I almost feel like Mm. to like dive right into that. Sometimes when you like, okay, I need to be in here for an hour and there's all these other people around that might be a little much as like for like a beginner, but that definitely would be like, kind of like that next step once you kind of get comfortable being in that state. And if you just like Google 
if you Google saunas, infrared saunas in your area, they're so popular these days. It really is. Like, yeah. It really is. You can go to a sauna. You'll probably be in your own private sauna. You can step out of the sauna whenever you're getting too hot. Like it's, it's not about pushing yourself past the point of like, I'm going to pass out. Like you don't want to get there, but it's about trusting your body and listening to your body of like, okay, I'm uncomfortable, but I can stay in here for a few more minutes know your limits. That's part of knowing your body, right? It's knowing your actual limits and your physical limits, but you also need to know your mental limits. And like, you can sit in a sauna and be like, oh my God, I cannot anymore. But your mind is saying that Mm -hmm. your body isn't saying that you could be in there for 20 more minutes until you get to the point of like, I feel dizzy. So knowing the difference between your mind being like, I can't anymore. And your body is two completely different things. Mm -hmm. Same thing with working out. Like there's been like, oh, I should just stop now. This is good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, no. Nope. Yep. Yep. Amen. Uh, oh, well, this has been so amazing. I've just loved chatting with you. I can you talk too, to you all day. So tell me how can people get more of you? Probably my podcast is the best place. It's feminine as fuck. Uh, my Instagram is Monica Yates Health. We always have like a bunch on my website and whatnot. So if you go to you know the podcast or Instagram, you'll be able to find everything there. There's so many resources, so much learning. It's definitely like the podcast is a good place if you're wanting to learn a bunch. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Yay. Well, we will send you all the links, you guys. We will put everything in the show notes. And just quickly, what is your Instagram handle? Monica Yates Health. Yes. So we will link you guys to that as well. Yes. So, thank you so much again. This has been so lovely. Lovely. Thank you, Amberly. Listening, please check out all things Monica. Let us know if you like this episode. Share it. DM us. We are here for you. And we will catch you guys next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to follow along with us on Instagram at Shocker Girl Co. And if you loved this episode, please give us a five-star review and write us a little comment. We'd love to hear from you. 